Yep. Yep. One, two, one, two. So anyways, that's when I was uh, in New York and I was um, realized that everybody there, the the most popular way to do drugs there now is in your dick hole. Really? Oh, hey. Hey, listener. Sorry. Didn't see you there. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't see you there. <laughs> Um, what's going on? So that's what you learned in the city. That's what I learned. <laughs> yeah, that's what I learned. Um, well, I got some tell you, New Yorkers. I've been getting loaded in some completely stupid ways, loan you bunch of motherfuckers were shitting green. <laughs> I used to, I used to abuse dip. <laughs> you ever done this? <laughs> of course. And you. uh you ever stuck it in your armpits or between your toes? No, I never did that. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's it is a hundred percent as gross as it sounds, but you get fucked up. I was at Walmart earlier today, and there was one of those little dip packets on the ground. The skull bandit pouches. Yeah, but when I was a teenager, my dad used to say that was like pussy shit. The the pouches. Yeah, yeah. There was an air of. Uh, it's almost like working in a union coal mines. It was like looked at as like lesser, less tough. Lesser than. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he used to dip, or used to, still does. Just dips this. I think it's a Copenhagen long cut. Long cut. Yeah. Well, Bob, I was a fine cut man. So I, if you call him Terrence a pussy, then <laughs> well. <laughs> I got some choice words for you there, long cut. <laughs> you were doing fine cut? Oh, God, it's horrible, dude. Fine cut is god It's disgusting. Uh, it just gets like, you like swallow a little bit of it. It just gets all in your teeth and shit. Yeah, it's oh, bad. Yeah. It's bad. Oh, yeah. I kind of miss dipping, though. It was a nice head buzz. I used to dip. I used to dip in college. I did, too. I thought <laughs> that's the dumbest shit. Mm-hmm. But I liked it because when I would like work in the... Uh, I'd like I used to hang tobacco for a little bit. I just need you need something to keep your mouth wet, but also like for the camaraderie of the guys, you know what I mean? You they have all, to they dip all dip to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. They all dip chaw though. Oh, like tobacco. Like, yeah, the out of the pouch, like Levi Garrett. Fuck. I never graduated to that. <laughs> <laughs> My grandpa did that. Red man. Red yeah. The highly offensive <laughs> Highly <red>. offensive. <laughs> My, did you ever meet my uncle Bulldog? Used to be the garbage man in Winesburg. I don't think so. Guy, yeah, I told you he used to be in the motorcycle gang, but he would, uh, he was famous for just, he would dip and all this stuff, and he was famous for just ha- always having a dribble out of his cheek, chin, <laughs> mouth, like everywhere. Everybody always talked about Bulldog would just, you know, he would have just, one dribble. It would just all come out of his mouth, and he would have it on his shirt and everything else. <laughs> and it was just like when I was a kid, I used to think that shit was so gross, but it was kind of his trademark. Wait. Now you think it's cool? I thought, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I don't think it's as a kid. I would probably think it's cool, but now I would think. Well, it's no, gross. well, well, well. I thought it was gross, but I thought like that's the height of manhood. <laughs> like when you become a man, you just get gross. <laughs> and I wasn't completely wrong, no, really. You weren't. You weren't. You it's, do. There is something about being a man. You do. The older you get, the creepier you get, and it's not your fault. It's just the, <laughs> the heavy hand of time makes you creepy. <laughs> Just your, yes, by virtue of existing past the age of about 60. The the natural the, the natural course of things uh, <clears throat> takes your, your vivaciousness and it also makes you creepy. <laughs> Destroys you physically, <laughs> mentally, and emotionally. Right. Well, I'm kind of sick. <clears throat> I don't sound very good in the headphones. Um, I did learn a hack today, though. What's that? For all our listeners out there without health care. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe not every community has like a free health clinic. Um, but we do in Whitesburg. And it's not a free health clinic. What it is is they just want to make sure people don't have AIDS. <laughs> so <laughs> Trying to curb AIDS. Yeah. So that's, you can go in there and you get tested for STDs for free. Um, well, I went in there. If you ever want a quick, if you ever want a free dose of antibiotics go into the free clinic and tell them that you suspect you may have had contact with chlamydia (laughs) in the last few (laughs) days or weeks or whatever 
It'll give you just one massive dose of azithromycin or whatever the fuck it's called. Right in the ass. The Z-Pack. Um, and it's all free, baby. <laughs> I haven't told a lady that. I was like, I don't have health care, and I just didn't want to go to the doctor. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'll give you a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Everybody understands that. I've been trying to sign up for healthcare now because the enrollment's open. And, dude, it is fucking ridiculous. Well, and the upshot of your hacker, too, is if you did have chlamydia, that's gone down yeah, to you got cl- You got you, all your problems taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> You're also contributing to the uh, creation of superbugs, <laughs> but hey. Well, I just haven't been able to shake it. I've, uh, the world's going to be so hot, it'll just kill them off. That's right. The bacteria, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, fuck, what was I going to say? Um, okay, so, election day. Yeah. Well, this is election central, baby. Yeah, this is for all the, <coughs> first off, let me just go ahead and, and say something to the haters and the losers. Out there. <laughs> I had a couple of comments being like, oh, y'all didn't believe that Andy Bashir was going to win. Y'all called that one wrong. First of all, I say to you, who cares, but B... <laughs> Two, it's like, no, we didn't. Like, we literally said on that show with Matt Jones, we've been going back and forth about this. We know it's going to be tight. Maybe it's Bev and maybe it's Bashir. Like, that is exactly what happened, except it went to Bashir. Three, it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, you'll be eating crow as soon as Bevan steals this motherfucker. It's entirely possible that Bevan will steal it. He's trying very hard to steal it. Yeah. Um, the the headlines are how the Grinch stole the election. <laughs> God damn it! Well, he in Kentucky, me a green suit. <laughs> in Kentucky, there's a law that says the Senate can basically decide the election, right? If it comes down to it, right? If they deem that there are enough irregularities or there was some chicanery, right? Which every election there is. Guess who runs the Senate? Robert Stivers, you fat, bloated fuck. Um, so I could see a scenario. I could easily see a scenario in which they basically bow up to Bashir, and Bashir's like, oh, okay, well, if you say so, uh, I'll let you have it, Bet Matt. <laughs> it, was a good con- it was a good contest, though. <laughs> nah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I'll say this. I'll just go ahead and say this. I won't be the cool guy. I'm I'm glad Bashir, I'm glad Bevan's gone. But also, let's just you know temper our expectations for Andy Bashir. And he said that to his credit, he said, "Week one in office, I'm going to restore voting rights and uh, and undo Bevan's um, Medicaid restrictions. And if that happens, right." good on him but you know a couple of hurdles to jump before that well okay so let's lay out the um how should we structure this maybe we should lay out the facts of the election and then lay out what everybody's saying about the election right okay so let's say let's let's start from the beginning uh in uh 1823 kentucky became a state (laughs) Our good friend Alex Deshaies, great 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 grandfather, was among its first governors. <laughs> it was carved out of the Virginia Territory, uh, among uh, land that white people said natives did not inhabit. They said it was a native hunting ground. Um, a lie we perpetrated well into the 21st century. Have you ever heard the the fact? I'm square quotes here that. Kentucky meat is an Indian word for blood in the ground. Dark and bloody ground. Dark yeah. and bloody you ground. You always hear that. Yeah. Right, right. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, a lot of things with Kentucky, and I guess probably most states at the founding of this ahistorical country are probably mostly apocryphal. Right. Well, um, if you were a hack political writer and you were looking for some sort of like, um, I don't know, analogy or something cheesy pun right to uh indicate that this was a very vitriolic election you could say that the election was very dark and bloody because it was um it was pretty competitive in my opinion or i don't know it was it was very vitriolic right it was a pretty a lot of mud was slung yeah um 
and um, so about a million and a half people voted in this one, mm-hmm. which is about. I mean, there's about eight million people in Kentucky. I think. I think there's like the I think there's like four million. <coughs> I believe. I believe there's about four million. A million and a half people voted in 2015 when Bevin was elected. Um, only about less than a half, less than a million voted, I believe. Bevin got about 500,000 votes, and his opponent Jack Conway got yeah, about right. it's four and a half million. So that's that's pretty decent turnout. It's yeah, about a quarter of the population. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in in 2015, Bevin got about 500,000 votes, and his opponent Conway got about 400,000 votes. By contrast, in this election, more than half a million extra people voted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. So each of them got about 700,000 votes or right. something like that. I mean, about twice of the last election combined. Right. And so um, it was a difference of like 5,000 votes in the end. Yeah. Which the Libertarian Party candidate, John Hicks, basically. John Hick and Looper. <laughs> <laughs> he moved to Kentucky and ran as a Libertarian. They basically split that vote because they took about 20. 8,000 votes. Yeah. And they were gloating about it on Facebook. Did you see that? <laughs> Man. They were like, we love to drink the delicious tears of Matt Bevin losing. We'd love to be responsible for that. You know why? Because Bevin fired his lieutenant governor, who was like a libertarian guy. Uh-huh. That's why. Wait, now it was... Uh, who was it? Um, it Janine. was a woman. Yeah. yeah. She was like the first black female... Right. Uh... Yeah, she was like a darling of the Libertarians. Yeah, and yeah. wasn't Bevin at one point kind of riding that Tea Party thought, wave a I little bit? He, I thought he was, too. And then he just kind of jumped off and became a Trumper. He became a Trumper, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so they they took great pride in having thrown this election for Bevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, so I don't know. That could tell you all kinds of things, right? Like, the... The big thing in the discourse right now is like why Bevin won and what happened here. Bashir. Or I'm sorry, why Bashir won. Why Bevin lost, really. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's yeah, right. You framed that right. And and you know, what happened? And so, um there's a there's a few sort of extenuating factors you have to bring in here. Um one is that the Republicans had a field day on Tuesday. Yeah. They cleaned up. Yeah. In pretty much every election except the governor's race. Right. There's even a Republican attorney general now. Yeah. Um, so Bashir is completely isolated. Yeah. Both chambers of this of the legislature are Republican. The attorney general is Republican. He is uh has his work cut out for him, yeah. basically. I think well, in response to that, because like a lot of people that's another piece of evidence here too. Whenever the haters and losers are saying, y'all didn't call it right, <laughs> whatever. It's like, oh, I couldn't imagine why we thought Bevin might have won this thing. Just look at the fucking down ballot. <laughs> Seriously. It's one. Two, something that it's occurred to me is that these statewide races are, like the top of the ballot statewide races, are definitely going to favor Democrats anytime voter turnout's good. Uh-huh. Um down ballots are free for all. I feel like for some reason I feel like Eastern Kentucky never truly factors into stuff like attorney general and stuff like that. Just because I don't know why. I just like I don't I didn't really see any Greg Stumbo signs. No. Kentucky, which is strange because he's from Eastern Kentucky. I didn't know until voting day that he was that that's what he was running for. For attorney general, yeah. I mean I know he's like the incumbent. I know he's like the inter- attorney general, but I was but like I but didn't know that I guess to this is Andy Bashir. Right or yeah, right, that's what I'm, I'm excuse me, I'm sorry. I didn't know what he was really running for until like Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe Yeah, like Month for I was I, like I kept seeing Daniel Cameron signs and I was like, right, who who's this guy? What's he running for? And then like he's like the young black guy that's like I guess he's the youngest and first uh, black secretary of state of Kentucky, uh, right? And or are you talking about Attorney General? Attorney General, Secretary. <laughs> it's Allison Lundgren Grimes. <laughs> she is uh, very much white. Uh, and yeah, I, it's just like. I don't. I think I don't know. Stumbo took his 
Stumbo should have ran for governor. Yeah, you think you could have won? I don't know, but I would just love to say stuff. I miss Stumbo in Kentucky. He's good for life. content. He's so good for <laughs> like what he was like said. I'm a Democrat because of the Bible, and then just started talking about like <laughs> the donkey and the rooster that preached. Jesus rode like into Bethlehem on a donkey. Or yeah, something that's like that. right. Yeah, do you remember that speech? <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> and to his credit, he never broke away from me. I mean, not to his credit. Let me back up a little bit. But he never, he never, he didn't deny Barack Obama thrice before the cock crowed. <laughs> he was an Obama guy. He was. They right. use that against him, but you're right. Um. So yeah. So like yeah. I mean yeah. I guess you could say oh the Tribulies they're doom and gloom whatever. Uh, I'm glad they were wrong. Like blah blah blah. But also I, just let me say to this person, I don't really think you're a hater or a loser. I was just. This is just a, a game. <laughs> a hypothetical person. Yeah, yeah, this is just, yeah. Um, like, the thing is, is um, Bevan really w- lost by not a whole lot. You know what I mean? And got greater voter turnout than he did even in 2015, and that's pretty crazy for an incumbent, I feel like. like where, where, where did the voters come from? Because here's the thing, is, is... The other night when I, I was I was emailing with Jamie from Antifada, and I was like, you know, my hunch is that Trump's not getting any, like, voters. You know what I'm saying? He's not getting any. He's not adding any voters. Mm-hmm. But Bevan did. Yeah, he did. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's... I think people knew what the stakes were. I mean, like, <clears throat> Trump said it himself. I mean, this is pretty uh, lukewarm analysis. I was listening to, um, I don't know, we'll get that in a minute, but Trump said it himself, you know, like, listen, you can't, if I lo- if Bevin loses, they're going to say that this whole thing is, you know what I mean? Trump, it was the biggest loss of all time. Right, right, right. And so, and so I think that, um, I, I don't think that, so, okay, so maybe this would be a good point to pivot to, like, the coverage of it, because... Most of the coverage I've seen in it from, from like, the resistance or from the liberal media or whatever. Like, for example, the New York Times says that uh, Mikey Barb's uh, podcast, The Daily. I uh, saw you <laughs> screenshot that post there. <laughs> I listened to the whole episode. <laughs> they, they were, he was trying to tie impeachment to the gov- gubernatorial results in Kentucky. Their, their thesis was that, yeah, impeachment is what made this election so high stakes. Like they said that it wasn't a competitive. Race. I'm not listening to this, but what's the rationale? Before I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dunk until I hear all the facts from now on. They didn't really supply any hard evidence for that. They basically said the guy he had on, like his name was like Jonathan Martin or something. He's like a New York Times politi- yeah, politics yeah, yeah, yeah. Resp- correspondent. Yeah. He said that it wasn't a competitive race before impeachment, but impeachment like raised the stakes. That's, that's that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you said that because, like, I listened to that and I was like, well, fuck, maybe it did. I mean, I, for me personally, I, impeachment didn't even factor into my... If me and you <laughs> I didn't think anything about impeachment, my hunch is that most voters in Kentucky weren't even... That wasn't even a calculation. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, for you to think that, you have to do several things. Okay, first of all... The first thing that's wrong with that is that it was competitive before impeachment. It was just as competitive before it was. We've been talking for months how this is going to come down to the wire. Exactly. Really. Right. Yeah. So it's been that. So on the face of it, the facts are already wrong. Granted, granted, for the longest time we did say, yeah, we think Bevin will edge Andy Bashir out, but we never said Bevin's going to fucking blow him out of the goddamn <laughs> water, motherfucker. And then we're like dead wrong. Like We have been consistent on this. Thing. I may have. I don't know. I may have said Bashir's going to get his ass kicked. <clears throat> well, only in response to saying Bevin's saying six to ten points. Mm-hmm. And I said, nah, I don't see that happening. And we haven't talked about that on the, the show with Matt Jones. But it's right. like, eh, right. this is going to be tight. But I'm not betting one way or the other. Right. Well, okay, so like the facts... Quantitatively, the facts are wrong. But then, for me, it's also like, what do you think states are for? Like, what purpose do you think they serve? And, like... You've hit it right there. Right. Like, what? Like, 
I don't think that people understand that a major animating factor of this election was the pension crisis and the public sector workers. Right. Who Bevan just constantly fucking vilified and just talked mad shit to the whole fucking time. Right. Like, I, like the, the guy he had on, on this podcast was working from this idea that, like, his operating thesis on here was... Also, Jonathan Martin... Uh, Follows us on Twitter. Too. Really? Yeah, so... You well, should, should have brushed up, John. He needs a little dose of uh, reality. Yeah, John. So, um... But no, seriously, like, his working thesis was that all politics have been nationalized now. Like, um... There are no local politics anymore. Everybody's running on the Trump game. And I, can, I can get there with you. I can get there with you, but... But the thing you leave out of that equation is this. It's what we, what do we say all the time about power? Where are the resources mined? Right. What do you what does the individual state produce? Where are the jobs at there? What are people right. doing there? Right. And what is the role of a governor? Right. Like it's not a coincidence that the first debate held in the state was at the Paducah Chamber of Commerce. Right. A governor's role is to do two things attract capital to his state number one and number two is make the workers in that state as exploitable as possible as subordinate to whatever product that your state is producing right exactly and so like i don't think that i i just i'm just not buying it that like all local state politics have been like this nationalized thing where like They've just been blown out and expanded to only be this ever ongoing debate well, between Trumpism and whatever. I've 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 agreed with that assumption a lot. Here's the strange thing about this: this was the election that made me reconsider that notion. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, right? Because just because I know the dynamics on the ground, I know what was happening with the teachers and the pension crisis and everything else. I know that. You know, everything else is going on here. Something I want to talk about a little bit is how you were, you texted me earlier and you said the conventional wisdom in certain places is that Andy Bashir was running on like the sort of like clean energy future, like just transition stuff. Right, right. And what's interesting is, I mean, he's probably just paid lip service to that kind of stuff, but. This was the first election I can remember where coal didn't come up. Coal did not come up at all, hardly. This is bad news bears for the coal industry. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. I hadn't thought of that before. That's that's usually like the big cudgel. Yeah. And honestly, honestly, probably why Bevan did a lot more poorly in eastern Kentucky than he has in the past. Even... A, a dis- even a, an election like Andy Barr, who ran against M- Amy McGrath in the 6th District. In Lexington. They were fucking talking about coal. They were jousting about coal. Right, but this governor's race... Isn't that so banal? Like, you got nothing else to fucking talk about <laughs> that you all, you two, you two fucking idiots are sitting here bitching about something that has no bearing in your day-to-day <laughs> life of the district you're running to represent. Right. No, Except e- for, like, the handful of coal millionaires that live up here. Right. That's a really good point. So coal, and I think the reason is, is I think Bevin has written off Eastern Kentucky really from the beginning, with a few exa- with a few exceptions. But like, for example, he's totally ignored the Martin County water mm-hmm. uh, crisis, and huge blow to him. You know, it's just it's. I mean, there's just a lot of Eastern Kentucky things that he's not even remotely concerned himself with. Right. He. Uh, he knows that his base is Western Kentucky and the agricultural areas, and Northern Kentucky, which curiously he did poorly. In. Yeah, he got his ass kicked. Apparently, and that's that. Kentucky. I mean, we were talking about the mountains and the, as the mountains go, this election is going to go. And I think there's some truth to that. And I think part of that is, like I was saying earlier, you have these surrogates like Rocky Atkins who finished second in the gubernatorial run, uh, primary. Uh, who got out there for Andy in like strong Democratic north northeastern Kentucky counties, Elliott County, which is the most Democratic county in the country, period. Uh, Rowan County, other places in sort of that Maysville, wherever, up in that sort of, you know, rocky country, Pike County even 
parlay. Boone wasn't it? Well, that's or, like I'm talking like east, northeast, northeast Kentucky. I'm t- but northern Kentucky, like the Cincinnati suburbs, is like Bevan hotbed. Should have been. I think. But I, in Boone and Kenton County, yeah, in Grant County, like Bashir won by like twenty percent. My theory on this, and I don't have a whole lot of hard evidence for this, but my theory is it's the public sector. Where do public sector workers work live? Like they are middle class, nuclear family having, mortgage owning voters. They vote. Yeah. Public sector workers vote. Yeah. They are the if there's anybody who's the middle class, it's that. It's that. And they live in the suburbs for the right. most part. Right. So I mean, like that's that, but suburbs I suburbs of where? Um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I they live one last time. <laughs> So that's my theory, but I don't have any fucking evidence for that. Yeah. Um, but it is because it's interesting. Like, how the fuck did those counties go so hard, Democrat? I'd love to know. Anybody who lives in northern Kentucky, please clue me in on this because, I mean, among the worst, most vile conservatives I've ever met came out of those counties. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, just like wide upper, like. Upwardly mobile kids whose like dad like worked across the river at like fucking Western and Southern financial group managing hedge funds or whatever. Like the kind of guys that just are like sitting around and go out of their way to use a slur. Right. Just to see if you'll squirm a little bit. Right. So let me go let my dog in. Hold that thought. Okay. Anyways. The Northern Kentucky conundrum. The Northern Kentucky. My cousin's wife is a teacher, and I'm curious because she talks all the time about how, like, they live up there, and she, like, she teaches in Ohio, and she talks about how, like, the teachers' unions are strong up there and all this kind of stuff, and, I mean, that has no bearing for Kentucky. I just can't. What I mean by that is I don't know, like, how much sort of fervor they would have whipped up up there amongst the teachers. It seems like it would probably be much stronger than, like, what was happening in other places in the state, but yeah, does that account for such a huge swing in a place that's super Republican? I don't know, man. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways you can look at it. Like, I mean, this is the same place where the kid heckled the elder Nathan <laughs> Phillips. <laughs> but, I mean, but there's kids like that everywhere. But, yes, you're right. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of, like... I've tried to look at this from all kinds of different directions. So maybe it helps to, like, zoom out for a second and, like, kind of, like, look at all various class interests at work here. First of all, you have to understand that, like, others, like, most every other state, um, the working class is mostly disenfranchised or at least disaffected from the political process. They have no, like, sort of outlet or they have no sort of political vehicle for their own interests and um, empowerment the democratic party is not really courting them i don't know i mean i guess they kind of do though like they do go after the sort of union endorsements and stuff like at the toyota plant and stuff like that i guess more than the conservatives <laughs> I mean, but the police the fraternal order of police are <laughs> <laughs> democrats no, Andy Bashir got it. Really? He yeah. got the... He, uh, that, and that's also, too, the one thing I want to say when we're talking about, like, progressives being the governor. Bevin didn't get the endorsement no, of the... Andy Bashir got the FOP endorsement. Holy... That's a whole other dimension, fuck. pal. Well, so that's the thing. Like, there is also the... Dim- there is also the fact that... um, And this might account for the whole Northern Kentucky conundrum. Um, Bevin was... Very, he was just like, he was just so mean spirited, right? Like he was just such an asshole. The guy is a huge dick. Yeah, like no decorum, no nothing. That only works for one guy. Uh huh. <laughs> I'll give you two guesses, and the first one doesn't count who that guy is. <laughs> Our big wet boy. <clears throat> yeah. So like, I could see p- plenty of sort of. I could see plenty of people, moderates or whatever, sort of like waffling and been, uh, you know, just being like, "Well, you know, he's just a little too tacky for me." Yeah. Plus, this is all those same people going to go vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because like because he's got the gold mansion to match the tag, right? <laughs> because look, 
Andy Brashear's dad is Steve Brashear, who governed Kentucky kind of like Bevin, with the exception of like the Medicaid expansion and a few other things. But and he, the and the sh- most shallow gesture ever, restoring voting rights on his way out the door, knowing full well Bevin would. Right. Yeah. So like the the thing is, is that plenty of people that was only five years ago. Plenty of people still remember Steve Bashir. It's not that hard for just, them just to be like, okay, this Bevin guy's raising too much of a fuck fuss, like. Let's just fucking get devote his son in. Why not? It's like things weren't things were more or less the same under Bashir. So you got uh, you got to something at something I want to talk about after we get done with this. But anyway, yeah, you're right. And uh, the other thing is too that progressives or socialists or whoever that are, are claiming this as this big victory for democracy. <laughs> Since when have we been into familial dynasties that get FOP <laughs> endorsements? You know what I right, mean? Right, <laughs> Like, come on. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, gra- I'm glad Bevan's gone, but let's let's keep it in perspective. I think that people um, people think that one of the things that's so frustrating about all this is, like, yeah, having the people. Um, let me think about this for a second. One of the reasons why I am ex- so skeptical of what you would call electoralism, it really has nothing to do with anything that's happened in since 2016. This skepticism was fully created during the Obama years. Yeah. During, like, years in which Democrats were ascendant, right? And, like, reigned supreme and didn't do jack shit. Governed things more or less the exact same as the Republicans, with the few exceptions of style or whatever. But he had, but uh, but McConnell stifled him. McConnell stifled him. <laughs> nah, he had a mandate for at least two years. Like, what did he do? Cash for clunkers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, there's a few things that the media's saying. Okay, uh, one is that yeah, this was a referendum on impeachment, which. As we've established, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that's 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 100 percent wrong. This is not a referendum on impeachment. No, if, I, the one thing I will give you possibly is is and it's our buddy Molly from Twitter brought this up today. I thought it was good. I retweeted it. Is that maybe Bevin trying to steal this election is like like sort of like a taste of things to come if the Trump election is tight next time uh-huh. to see if he can steal it. See, just to see what they can get by with. Right, right, It right. could be a dry run for that. But I don't think this is a referendum on the impeachment. A test balloon for a coup? A test balloon for a coup, if you will. <laughs> Wasn't that a test trial? Man. 2016, my God, that was so good. Um, Trust so- the autocrat. My theory is that the reasons that the reason the sort of political journalist class keeps saying this is that it's just another way to keep them relevant. If they can shoehorn impeachment into every single fucking political story, then they get to continue on with this thing just like they continued on with the Mueller report. Like if impeachment wasn't going on, they'd be saying that this election was a referendum on the Mueller report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whatever the national buzz thing is, whatever's going to draw our eye to their reporting exactly on this, because this is what they're going to report on every day until right. something. Uh, every day until the Senate says, "Nah, we're not going to kick him out of office." Right. It's like inconceivable to them that like people vote for the interest of the like polity that they exist in and that affects their lives on a day to day basis. Right. So it's like. So yeah, not impeachment. Although I mean, sure, I'm like anything. There are plenty of unicorns out there. I'm sure you could find a voter who's like, "Buddy, they're trying to impeach Trump, and I've got to pull the lever for Bevin as a result." Yeah. But like, just say that out loud. Does that even make sense to you? Yeah, I've got to fucking vote for Bevin because they're trying to impeach Trump. <laughs> so are there, so I mean, granted, okay, Republicans thinking, are stupid as shit. So yeah, yeah. Also, that's another thing I want to say. If you're a Republican. You may not know this, but you are a card-carrying member of a homicidal, genocidal, racist death cult. <laughs> you might want to reconsider some things. I'm not saying join the Democrats or anything like that, but like I want to let's quit acting like y'all are good people. No, they're you're stupid as shit. You're at least tacitly a bad person, even if you are not a bad person. Is your dog in trouble? She's eating. No, you're so dumb. <laughs> you're so dumb. 
saying like, fuck my couch. <laughs> Grinding dirt into the couch. Get down. Down. All right, so then there's that. So then the, I guess the other thing that we've been hearing a lot is um, that this is proof that McConnell can be beaten in 2020. Right. Uh, people are saying that uh, more and more people are saying this, folks. Uh, the Democrats' lukewarm style of governing is back, and it's all the rage. People love it. They want more and more of it. What do you okay. think about that? That's the thing I want to stick a pen in to talk about. Are we headed back, staring down the barrel of banality and just run-of-the-mill uh, trapezoids and <laughs> earned income tax credits? And well, like, I'm trying to quit using the phrase neoliberalism, but it's just such a good catch-all for all. This I know shit. what you mean. Yeah. I mean, as I've said before, if you grant that we live in hell and in hell nothing ever gets better, things just get worse and worse and worse until we all die or go to the next level of hell, hey, buddy. <laughs> the worm dies not makes you think you are. <laughs> if that's true, then what that means is that, yes, there is no political alternative truly, and that that kind of politics really will gain purchase again. <laughs> and we're just going to be stuck in the same fucking cycle that we've been stuck in for 30 fucking years now. Yeah. Um, which is like... Nothing is inevitable, right? Like, it's on us to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? Like, right. Um, but what the reason I point that out is to say that you have to make a choice then. If, if you grant that, if you don't want that to be the case of this never-ending cycle of that, then you have to stop letting yourself get your hopes up or get excited or inspired by a guy like Andy Bashir because he is just as much your enemy as Matt Bevin. He may not sound like it because he's not saying the bad things and he uh, seems to be, seems to like care about working people or, or the environment or whatever. But he is actually your enemy. He left me a dog biscuit. <laughs> Did he? I was contractually obligated to vote for him. He left Sally a dog biscuit <laughs> on the front step. I voted for him. Of course I voted for him because like it's a net positive that Bevin loses. Right. But but let me ask you a question. How much of that vote had to do with the fact that you know Bevin's whole world is tied up in his power as governor? And to see just an absolute total piece of shit like that defeated and squirmed and cast down. Yeah. You think that was a big... is more exciting to me than... <laughs> Earn expanding the earned income tax credit or something that would probably had a lot to do with it. I mean, yes, he pro he like very obviously cares what Daddy Trump says about him, right? Right. And so if if Daddy we've is, destroyed the, that relationship, right. <laughs> and he's going to make us pay, right? So you can take pride in that at least. Um, but my larger point is that we have to break out of this cycle of. Um, back and forth between these fascist, eco-fascist, whatever Republicans on this side, and just these milk toast, do nothing, tepid. tepid, like yeah, like yeah. liberals, neoliberal, what call them whatever the fuck you want, yeah. on the other side, but they're not making things better right. by being locked into this dialectic. They don't actually break us out of anything. Right. We just keep going further and further down the and fucking and not hole. for nothing. If you're a Bernie person. It's not the best thing in the world that guys like that are getting purchased again. I mean, yeah, that's what I granted, mean. Granted, it's preferable to Bevan, but if the, that greater trend continues, that's not something we should be encouraged that, by. That, that's the point I'm trying to make: is that like the resistance libs are still a, a significant political force in this country. And that's another thing I want to dispel <clears throat> real quick too, is because I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, but a lot of people think Andy Bashir was like a like our revolution, like Bernie candidate." Mm -hmm. And he wasn't. Bernie just endorsed him because, of course, he was going to endorse him. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. This is a big race, big, you know, with national implications, because, particularly because we got McConnell on the horizon. We got the Trump presidency thing on the horizon. And um, so, yeah, like, let's let's stop there. Like, you know, I, to my knowledge, Bashir has uh, not endorsed Medicare for all or any of the, like, the core stances of the sort of Bernie movement. So, no. 
you know. I mean, he said he's going to get rid of the Medicaid uh, waiver that and stuff like Bama, that. Yeah, Bama's <clears throat> Medicaid waiver, but but yeah, to my knowledge, right. And so, um, and so when people, you know, like, <laughs> and also, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut okay. you off, but okay. just, I just want to say this real quick. And also, that's another problem is that we can't say definitively whether what he's for or not. Right. And there's a reason for that is because Kentucky <laughs> Democrats, like, just like Matt Jones said last week when we had a podcast, is like. Their goal is to make it through these elections without taking a stand on anything. Right, right. So so we don't really know. He's made vague things, like he's going to stand up for teachers and working people and all this stuff. But, like, every fucking Democrat says that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. And so this is what I mean. Like, when I say, like, this critique of electoralism was formed in these years, it's like, the thing is, is that, like, at some point, you find yourself trying to compromise or reason with those people, or at least build a coalition with them. And I'm just trying to tell you that, like, if you're truly trying to advance the interests and power of the working class, these people are dead in. Yeah. Because what have they done? They've shown time and time again that they're going to throw the working class under the bus. Because yeah. that's the nature of neoliberal governing yeah. and neoliberal politics. It's also just far easier to do that in this system than not. It's yeah, it, That's exactly right. Yeah, like you actually have to go out of your way to stand up for poor and working people in a real way, not just pay right. up service to it. Yeah. But just throw them under the bus, it's just like clockwork. Oh, it's, yeah, the, the system, yes, the system rewards that and your own sort of longevity and sustainability in that system requires you to do it. Yeah. And so... um and so that's that's the thing. That's the basis of this critique of electoralism. It's yeah. just that, like, you, like I said, you have to make a choice. You can't keep doing that because, like, step far back enough to where you can remove yourself from the images of the people doing this. Like, you see a system that, like, what it does is, like, you have people like Obama and Bashir or whatever who paved the way for the Trumps and the Bevins. Yeah. That's the nature of the system, right. of that sort of dialectical relationship. Well, we always talk about this sort of ebb and flow and how, like, sometimes the Republicans take the ball and sometimes the Democrats take the ball. The reason the Republicans ever get the ball is because the Democrats prefer it that way. Yeah. They prefer to do nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if they can piss away four to eight years of the presidency that's fine they know they're going to get it back with some big gains and all that stuff because that's the nature of the system here's what we should really be asking ourselves particularly those who are diehard believers in electoralism why do the most unpopular people on the face of the earth that you could pull any ten motherfuckers off the street and ask them what do you think about this guy and eight out of ten of them want to take him out back and shoot him in the fucking head (laughs) Right, stay in power it's because the Democrats are content to be the loyal opposition. Right. They're content to uh, be differ in no meaningful way from like just these absolutely craven individuals, and then they have the audacity to just like act like we're, like people like from places like where I'm from just have the audacity. There's aren't aren't bright enough to vote the right way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it reminds me a lot of. The election with Doug Jones and Roy Moore. This where, this election mirrors that perfect. It does because you have people like well-meaning socialists, leftists, and progressives, or whatever, celebrating it as a win. And it's like if you step back, what you see is yes, it's a win in the sense that like this obviously repulsive figure lost, yeah. but that win makes sure that those other people also have continued relevance and power. And and this is why I've like, this is why I say like, if you're trying to shatter this, you need an external force bearing pressure on the system, whether that's a sort of united, like working class movement of unions or, or tenant unions or whatever, or even like a Bernie movement. Like, you need some sort of external force bearing pressure on it, but you cannot, I believe that you can't coalition with it. I don't, I don't think that you can reason with it or coalition with it, because the point is to shatter it. Right. And to break it into, out of that, bring, bring in something new. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's fun on a personal level to see this piece of shit Bevan eat shit, because that's fun, because he sucks ass. But it does like don't get it twisted. This is no great win for socialism or democracy or whatever. Or it for is the working that you class. Or for working people. Right, yeah. right. 
That's the thing. You just need to constantly be asking yourself at all times, does this advance the interests and power of the working class? Yeah. That's your litmus test as a socialist. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. <laughs> so Unless you think we're just being haters or just doomsayers and doom and gloom and all this stuff. Listen, I hope Andy Bashir foments a goddamn peasant revolt and where you get, you know, full automated communism in Kentucky in two years. But check back in with me in two years and let's mm. talk about it. And let that and let that let 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 every let every man in person be known by their deeds. And we might be wrong. We may he may turn out to be a burner. We could be entirely wrong, in which case you can f- get back in the mentions and say, you're doom Fuck and gloom. Fuck you, you dumb piece of shit. <laughs> you, were, you were wrong about Commandante Bashir. And but, I'll, t- I'll accept that. And I would welcome that. But my hunch is that we might be disappointed. Well, so, like, this brings us to the next topic, which is... Um, can McConnell lose in 20... Does this mean that McConnell will lose in 2020? And so, I, there's a few things I want to say about this. Um, I think it's entirely possible he could lose because, as we were talking about the other day, this is the first time that McConnell will be on a presidential ballot since 2008. He's He is as vulnerable as he's ever going to be. Right. He's... he's um, public support or whatever the fuck his polling numbers are just about where Bevins were um, and a lot of people turn out to vote in presidential elections and I know a lot of motherfuckers who are like fuck McConnell but love Trump and so he's already got that going against him plus all the other people turning out to vote against well, Trump and you can see this you can see that McConnell's aware of this because McConnell in all of his slipperiness knows when the winds change and what he has to do right Two years ago, McConnell would have never fucking showed up to a Trump-Bevin rally. Right. Not a prayer. Right. And to see this little motherfucker waddle out there, it's funny because he's like he's been exposed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is his whole thing, and it's always been his thing. <clears throat> it's to sort of read, like... And, and you have to. You have to be good at forecasting if you're that unfucking popular right. and you manage to stay in power. Right. And just to illustrate this, like... And you should go read that fucking New Republic nihilist in chief piece Alex Perrine did on Mitch McConnell. I think it's just perfectly sums up McConnell's politics. But McConnell was so craven that he tried to make Bush abruptly pull out of Iraq because he thought it would threaten his power it, if we stayed in, in Iraq. He thought it would threaten their chances in the midterms. The 2006 midterms, I believe it was. <laughs> <laughs> that should, well, for one, that should tell the average person one thing: that our wars are not about protecting this country. Right. They are as flippant and fucking just casual, loosey goosey. Right. Like we right. will invade anywhere we think we could make a buck off of. Right. It doesn't matter how many people we slaughter or anything else, how much fucking pain and suffering we rot in the world. It doesn't matter. Okay, that's one thing. And then the other thing too is just like. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. But. No, no. What you were going with it, the first thing is that it's very flippant or whatever. But the second thing is that, yes, it just proves that, like, he doesn't really believe in anything. In anything. In anything. He believes in his power and not ever seeing it challenged. What he believes in is constructing a system in which wealth is funneled upwards for eternity. He believes in capitalism. He is truly the sort of political genius of capitalism. He is the political genius. And of so ask yourself, does it even matter if he loses in 2020 or not? I'm going to go ahead and say, no, this is the thing. Matt, when Matt Jones was on our podcast, he said, um, he said that I think that if Mitch is out, you get an entirely different Senate because he wields so much power. And I don't really agree. Like he's, he's done so much Already, he's created a judicial system that enshrines his specific sort of framework. He, what he's done is he, it's almost like like a fucking uh, disease that you just pass down in, to your family and try. It's like he has infected this system in perpetuity. Right, exactly. With his brand so politics. The sy- exactly. And so the system itself has to be 
fundamentally upended and changed to get that virus out of it. Defeating Mitch McConnell <laughs> is just, and I think it could be done. I, I even think Matt could beat him, but that is just that is just one piece. Yeah, no, you have to remove the entire fucking virus. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a longer term project than just unseating him. But that is it's obviously it, the first. It's step. a reordering of the system itself. It's what we were talking about earlier. It's the working class becoming empowered and shattering this the system. The system. We have to change the economic system. We have to change the way the entire world is ordered to defeat Mitch McConnell. Exactly. It's not enough to beat him in an election. No, exactly. As much as that would give me great pleasure for the same no. well, the same reasons that For the same reasons Bevin, that it's fun to watch Bevan lose. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to watch pieces of shit lose. Yeah. But but it's not I don't know. But it's, it's just, but it's we can't I mean we can't rest on our laurels at beating Mitch McConnell. Right. You know. It's a short term sort of like dopamine rush, a short term little high. Yeah. But it does it does ultimately nothing. Yeah. Enjoy it. I mean, it, like I said, it is fun. But yeah. but yeah. yeah. I mean, it does something. But I'm saying like it's just like there's a lot more work to be done after. You're right, that. right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's blood in the water at least yeah. and uh Well, for one, I mean, it signals that like you're actually a viable political party again. You could or you could be if you wanted to be. Right. But even at that, it's like does that does that really mean that much? Yeah, I don't know because like imagine if Amy McGrath does win. Imagine if McGrath does beat McConnell. Are they are they a viable political party, or is the system just doing its thing where it needs to vacillate sort of back and forth and to be able to pave the way for the fucking next Mr. McConnell? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If we have a situation where we have Joe Biden, Amy McGrath, and Andy Bashir, I'm <laughs> you know let me tell you something? I'm moving to Canada. I'm, you know how people make that threat like when like these reactionaries are in power? Yeah. I'm moving to Canada if we get fucking O four politics back in and is the order of the day again. Or, yeah, I'm telling you that. I'm abandoning this country. <laughs> I will stay here if if you elected fucking Satan himself as president and just a hit parade of the worst people that have ever existed in every piece of judiciary. I would stay and strike. I would stay and stick it out because at least you got revolutionary potential. Yeah, but no, this is what I'm talking about. So these about. people are the ultimate boner killers. Man. I saw this in 2000. I mean, I saw this in the Obama years. The way that it sucked. All the fucking radical, revolutionary fervor out of my friends. Because we all knew that they would not do shit. They would listen to us and entertain us and welcome us into their fucking agencies and offices and lobbies. But yeah. they wouldn't ultimately, at the end of the day, do jack shit. So what did we do? We became complacent. We'd rather go to brunch. Whatever, that's the thing. <laughs> We kind of were actually were going to a lot of brunches. We were. Obama <laughs> I'm saying, like, we became complacent, and we be, and, and the nature of the system was shrouded to us. Yeah. It was an illusion, yeah. which is what liberalism is at the end of the day. It is just a very fancy little shroud you place over your eyes. Well, it, it, does, the, it does the job of making you think you're on the right side of history while also uh, relieving you of your duties of having to do anything. Exactly. That's what it is. It's a salve. Yeah, and meanwhile, the working class becomes more and more miserated. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to that question. Don't ask yourself, what would Jesus do? WWJD. Ask yourself, this is not even remotely what's, Now, listen, what's your... Listen, <laughs> the only question you need to ask yourself is, what is your commitment to poor and working people? Right. Exactly. That is it. That's right. Does this advance... The interests of the working class. Does it build working class power? Does it Is reorder? It does it important? does it attempt to reorder society in such a way that poor and working people are the ones in power? Right. And if the answer is no, maybe reassess. Reassess. <laughs> if it's anything but an, a resounding yes, <laughs> then we need to be aware. And listen, uh, you know, we can talk about bridges to you know, the world we want to see and all that stuff. But, man, you can build a fucking 60,000-mile-long bridge if you got enough fucking workers. You know what I mean? Like, right. You can just keep doing that shit. Right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, so, yeah. So, the question of McConnell in 2020, 
maybe maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, depends on who runs against them, but ultimately it's a much bigger issue than that and um so yeah. 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 Let's see, that's it the thing in the thing in electoral politics that I uh that gives me some some semblance of hope is when we're talking about okay, what could we do to reorder the judiciary, first of all? That kind of stuff. Like what could well like like you know, we've talked about this a million times. Who's out there that's for abolishing the Senate? Who's out there for abolishing the states? Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's uh you know, but I mean, but again, like we're so gaslighted that if you come out and say that, you might as well tell people you're a fucking astronaut. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Really, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that. It's just like, right. But you know, to be fair, like I feel like we are at least maybe having a puncher's chance of getting universal health care, and that seemed like a parlor debate, you know, even ten years ago. You know, it's possible. So I'm I'm feeling much more pessimistic about that. But that's just because I'm trying to sign up for health care right now. And it's not having any luck. <laughs> no, dude, it's so expensive. It's so fucking expensive. Yeah. But that's the thing. If Bi- if Biden, if these people are ascendant right now, there is a battle within the sort of Democratic Party. It's the same battle that happened in the 80s. Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Coalition, you had two paths. You had neoliberalism, and you had Jesse Jackson's um, sort of like uh, democratic socialism, which, you know, very close to Bernie's. And we're having the same exact thing now. And if neoliberalism wins again, if the Biden wing of that wins again, like it did in the 80s, then no, we're not getting Medicare for all. We're not getting any of that. Um any of those things that do empower the working class. And so again, that's just the that's just that's just the facts. I mean, nobody short of Bernie is going to give Medicare for all. We even fucking know Elizabeth Warren isn't gonna Nobody do. no decent person needs to look any further if you're red than this than this rice. That's just that's just the truth of it. Yeah. If you're I mean, I'll I'll I mean I will say this, like if if you are you hear your two options it's bernie or accelerationism and honestly most days of the week i'm full on board with acceleration i, I mean i don't have fucking health those anyways. are the way forward <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. yeah so it's like it's one of those two things um Maybe the maybe the two aren't mutually exclusive. Maybe we need one to <laughs> to get the other. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe we don't need to to take our foot off the gas if we do get Bernie. Right. But the point is, is that something has to change. Um, and yeah, I just can't keep living like living like this, and a lot of people can't either. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. So, anyways, that's 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 kind of a big picture look on the uh, the election. But I'm just I can't fucking. You know, like I said, soak it up that this piece of shit Bevan lost, but know that Bashir's a Democrat, a good Democrat. And by that, I mean a dutiful Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, is that about cover it, Tom? What else? I mean, does the media said any other outstanding things about this that we need to cover that we didn't cover that you can think of? Well, I mean, one thing I I do want to say is that if there is something else that came out of this, it is that in a place that's so insular as Kentucky, that's so self-referential, like some of these communities, particularly like where we live, like the one piece that this national narrative is missing is you can't underestimate how much sway local power brokers have. Uh, yeah, and I just wanted to say that in conjunction because I think the one, and I don't even know if it's necessarily positive. I think I guess it's positive in the sense that Bevan was unseated, but if you look at like again like the Rocky Atkins influence in certain Eastern Kentucky counties, like I think that could be a lesson to draw from the Bernie people that you need to actually invest in the ground in places like here and figure out how power is constructed and who you can get in your coalition to flip places that, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren or 
uh, Joe Biden or whoever Pete Buttigieg is not going to bother to do. <laughs> because they, oh, yeah. they just think people are, are enamored enough of their income tax credit that they're going to vote for them anyway if they're going to vote for a Democrat. Right, because, yeah, well, I mean, we know that Biden is absolutely not going to do shit for yeah. places like West Virginia. I mean, like, I don't even know. I don't even mean that, like, policy-wise. I mean, like, they're not even going to try to do a ground game. No, 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 no. So, they're going to wrap places off. Right, right. I mean, yeah. which is, I mean, like... All politicians do that. That's part of politics. But, like, the point you're trying to make is that um, if you're trying to try to win, you can't. Well, all I'm, I'm just speaking strictly about Kentucky. It's because it's what I know. Right. Kentucky absolutely could go for the Democrats in the presidential election. And in, I, I, yeah, I, can't, I don't know about Alabama. I don't know about Mississippi, other places in the South. You mean That's if a the, question for people there. If the, if the nominee was Bernie, right? Because I don't think Kentucky's going to go for Biden. Kentucky's gonna go for Trump. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But if you're saying like if the if the Democratic was, nominee was Bernie Sanders, okay, or whoever it is, but Bernie, I mean, actually has some has policies that resonate because of legacy, the New Deal, blah blah blah. I've, you know, something I've said a million times. But so let's just say, for the sake of argument, for our purposes, it's Bernie. Bernie absolutely could. I mean, he would care. I mean. Uh, Assuming that, you know, the pussy hats don't come out and protest vote him, he would probably <laughs> carry Lexington and Louisville. Right. And if he could get a solid number of counties in eastern Kentucky, which Bashir proved you can, he could win he could he could win Kentucky. Kentucky could be a swing state. Right. Well the the thing is here and this connects back to what we were saying earlier, is that the square peg that you have to put into the whatever the fuck it is is that most people don't vote um, because they're disaffected from the political process or whatever. Well, also, so, when you're talking about Eastern Kentucky, you're talking about uh, the overwhelming majority of the working class in Eastern Kentucky are working low-wage jobs that have brutal hours, and the last thing yeah. you're thinking about is going to go punch a vote they in. Definitely don't vote. So you got to figure out a way to get those people in, you know, invested right. in the system and get them registered and whatever and make sure they get out. Well, and this is part of the sort of critique of electoralism again. It's just don't put all your eggs in that basket because it's sort of structurally designed to not be able to win with people like Bernie. And so the whole critique, the well, whole time... Also, but also, Bernie's the only person that's going to do that. Exactly. That's going to do the legwork. Joe Biden's not going to fucking do that. Right, Joe right. Biden's going to skip right over Kentucky and right. go work in Pennsylvania or wherever. Right. And so the point is, the point I'm trying to make is that... <clears throat> View it skeptically um, and understand that, um, you know, if it doesn't happen, well, it has to happen. So we need to make it happen. But I'll, I'll, but at the same time, just understand that there are structural issues here. I don't even know what the fuck. That, I mean, we've said all that can be said. My brain is but, fucking done. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to put a bow on it. Um, yeah, we called it. Yeah, we we <laughs> we nailed it. We totally nailed it. We fucking got it right, and uh, no one can convince me otherwise. <laughs> oh yeah, for, uh, something people wanted us to comment on that. I don't even know where you stand. Is that that Jackson Kernian dude? Oh, the Warren bro. He's a Warren. Yeah, he's the guy that 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 had like the white face paint on with like the blacked out eyes with the Warren sign that was going around. Is the guy with like the globe thing next to his name, and he said the crazy shit about yeah, yeah, rural yeah, America? Yeah, 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 he's yeah. a Warren guy. Yeah, he's a Warren guy. Damn, I didn't even. I, I mean, like, I kind of thought he was a troll. It so. may very well be. I don't know. <laughs> oh my fucking god! But then he, he, I think he said something about like you have to. He's like it's totally permissible to talk sh or to. Um, he said he, he unironically thinks it's okay to. Shit on rural America. But do you think he was being ironic? Or is was he unironically unironic? Hard to say, man. <laughs> too many filters. Too Actually, many filters. I agree with him there. Um, please, unironically shit on rural America all you want if you're a Biden or if you're a Warren supporter if yeah. my Warren if the Warren listeners are out there yeah that's the way forward you should definitely do that you should do that my man go for it it would actually work really well for you. 
Yeah. Those are the type of guys. If he was not, if he's not some kind of troll, if he is some kind of troll, I mean, fuck him. But if he like sincerely in earnest believes that stuff, it's, he's one of those type of guys I'd like to just blindfold and just drop off and fucking Roxana somewhere. Just <laughs> you know what I mean? They think they're so goddamn smart. Find your way home, buddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's their offer to you, Jackson. Uh, take him snipe hunting. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Please sign up for the Patreon. Um, we have content there every Sunday. P a t r e o n dot com slash Drillbilly Workers Party. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, five dollars a month, you'll get an episode every Sunday. Um, I sound so bad. I sound so so stopped up. Yeah. I'm just stopped. I'm just stuffed, bro. I'm fucking stuffed. Yeah, uh, donate uh, so we can get Terrence not only out of jail, but we can keep him in fucking <laughs> sore throat laws and just. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you soon. See ya.